This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody, and welcome into this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Glad you're with us. want to remind you to make sure to subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, download it and enjoy it there. Catch us every week for a new edition of Sikkim Podcast and share on on social media. You'll want to uh, share this one for sure as we welcome in our guest for this week's Sikkim Podcast. Robert Griffin III joins us for the Sikkim Podcast this week. And Rob, it is great to have you on with us. And uh, as we record this, so pull the curtain back, as we <laughs> record it, it's a Zoom call. So yes. we get to see your smiling face. I wish everybody could, but it's great to have you with us. Yeah, man, it's great to be here with you guys and talking and um, you know, it's always good to see familiar faces and, and hear familiar voices. Baylor's always been home for me, so you guys always have a special place in my heart. That's good. We want you to always feel that way. You've always got a spot here at Baylor. Uh, tell us, you're, uh, as we do this, you're in Dallas. Uh, you're you're kind of moving around a little bit right now, aren't you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride for the whole entire offseason. Uh, we kind of got stuck out in California when uh, COVID hit. I was in I was at Baylor in February, and we went out there, kind of just relax, get some training in, and then uh, coronavirus hit, and everything got shut down. So L.A. went to quarantine, and we didn't have anywhere to quarantine. Uh, so we went out, bounced around a couple Airbnbs, and ultimately, after a month being out there, decided to make the drive all the way from California to Texas. So it was a nice, you know, 19-hour drive that I turned into 16 hours. Not not because I was speeding or anything, just, you know, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a good driver, right? Yeah. And, uh, we got to see the mountainside, got to see all those things, and it was cool for the kids. Um, and, and, you know, we did it in, in one drive, so no, didn't have to stop anywhere. And, uh, we've been in Dallas ever since. So we've been here in Dallas for three months now, and uh, it's, been, it's been good to be back in Texas, uh, get reacclimated to the Texas heat, right, and that sun. It's uh, like nothing else, so it's been awesome. It's there. Well, a lot of people we've spoken with, including ourselves, have been able to use this time while everything is shut down and um, people are worried for a number of different things. It's also provided people a time to spend time with their family, and whether that's a 19-hour car ride from California <laughs> to Dallas or just spending at ho- spending time together at home, how has this been for your family? And uh, Father's Day was just on Sunday, so you've gotten to spend some time with your daughters that you might not otherwise get to. Yeah, I think, you know, this has been a weird year for everybody, and uh, the silver lining to it all is you, you kind of get to reassess and 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 get your priorities in line. Right. And, um, you know, it's been tough for a lot of people with whether it's stock market or, or being laid off or, or not being able to work. Uh, for me, I don't get paid in the off season. So the off season is usually a time where I have to, I, I get the most time to spend with my family, but this off season has been on a whole nother level, right? I haven't had to go into work and, and be busy from six to 3 PM uh, I've been home. So I'm doing Zoom meetings, you know, with my, my quarterbacks and the quarterback coach uh, for, for my, you know, which is required. And my daughters are in the meeting. 
right? Because I'm sitting in the middle of the living room and you know, they wake up at a certain hour and they come and they want to they want to jump and climb and climb all over dad, right? That's that's what little girls do. So it's uh, it's been it's been interesting from that part, but I, I've loved it, right? I, I wish we could do a virtual off season for the NFL every year uh, because you get to spend so much time with with your family and uh, whether that's time with your wife. Obviously, there's no date nights right now because you know you couldn't go anywhere for quarantine. But uh, you get to spend a lot of time with your kids and see them grow up, right? Uh, I got to see my uh, nine month old daughter walk at eight months, you know, uh, I got to see that. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize that as a dad, you don't get to see all those opportunities depending on what time of the year it is when you're working. So it's been phenomenal. Obviously I don't want the, the world to be in the distress that it is due to the coronavirus or, um, you know, this injustice fight that's going on right now in America. Uh, but the silver lining is I have had a lot of, a lot of time to spend with my daughters and spend with my wife and, and that's, that'll be cherished for the rest of my life. You mean to tell me RG3 has not made some miraculously cute, romantic, quarantine-at-home date? I definitely have done that. Come on. <laughs> at you home. Know, is the you know at home, home yes. It's not all just words and, and stuff on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You know, I put it into action, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been tough to say, hey, let's go, to, let's go to this really fancy restaurant when we don't know what's going on and what you're bringing back to your family. That's kind of been our biggest concern with it all is just, you know, if you're if you're if your child was to get sick or something was to happen and it was because you you'd be devastated. You know, I can, I can wait. I can wait on those things just to make sure that my daughters can grow up and make sure that my wife doesn't get sick. Um, and I think that's kind of way, the way people have to think about it. Um, and not everybody has little kids. Right. Not everybody has um, someone that they live with that might be elderly. But you you're not doing it just for yourself. You're doing it for everybody around you. What about uh, workouts? How have you done that? I mean, you got a spot there, kind of a private spot, or how have you handled that? Yeah, so it's been it's been interesting with that as well. Yeah. Uh, out in California, uh, at first I was able to go to a gym, go to fields, and then once coronavirus hit, it was uh, mostly just isolated to the house. Um, you know, like anybody, for a couple of weeks, you're like, this isn't you know, this isn't real. What's going on? Like, is this end times, you know? Uh, so I kind of went to a, a gym that my trainer had that was his own, you know, personal gym and trained there for a couple of weeks and I was fine. But once I came to Texas, um, all the fields are shut down, right? So UIL made a rule that only kids from those schools can be on those fields once they open back up. But when they were closed, they were closed, mm. right? So now you're now, you know, you're, you're, you're tiptoeing the line a little bit. If you, if you go jump on that field, you can get in, get in some deep trouble. So I just worked it out to where I worked out literally on the street, uh, right outside. Um, and did all my workouts there for the NFL with the Ravens. We do them on zoom. So it's a little awkward, right? But at the end of the day, you get it done. And uh, coach is sitting there counting your reps <laughs> and counting your rest time. And, and I just did that. And uh, they sent us some equipment. So I've been literally working out, you know, like the, uh, what do you call them? The grease heads or the juice heads right in the, in the middle of the, of the driveway at, at my house. <laughs> and all the neighbors are looking at me like, what is yeah. this guy doing? <laughs> and uh, so it's been, it's, it's been interesting. And I've probably run on concrete way more this off season than I probably have in my life. But um, you have to do what you have to do to stay ready and get ready to go. So I, I was able to, now that some things are starting to open up, uh, I've been able to go to SMU. One of our receivers who was drafted, James Prochet, went to SMU. And 
uh, you know, Jamo, I know you know that Coach Kaz is there also yes. at SMU. So Perfect. I've had a connection there to, to kind of go there and train for the past couple weeks, but it's only been on the field. So not the weight room or anything like that. They're, you know, they're still concerned about, about this virus and rightfully so. Um, so I just had to make, make do with what I have. And honestly, my wife has been catching for me for three months now. And uh, she, her hands are phenomenal. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. I'm like, man, who am I going to throw to for these months when everyone's on lockdown? And I got my wife some gloves, and she's been catching for me for three months. And it showed up because my first day throwing with our guys, uh, I was on point, and I was ready to roll. So she's a you know, big part of this offseason for me. Got to love that. Hey, congratulations. Uh, we've been doing these projects. Our teams of the decade, the Baylor football team of the decade, which was a great decade in Baylor football. You were the uh, player of the decade. Uh, great honor there. And that was fun to kind of go back and, and you know, again, uh, celebrate uh, the big wins and your accomplishments, the Heisman Trophy in there, Davey O'Brien Award in there. That was fun for us. How about for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a blast, right? Like, I get to think back to all those memories with all the teammates that I had and um, you know, not just the highs, right? You know, in uh, 2011 when the Heisman and yeah, doing all that, but uh, even some of the lows, like I still remember, uh, you know, coming into Baylor in 2008 and I'm thinking, man, I'm about to be the fastest guy on the field. I'm about to be the best athlete here. And I go to my first workout because uh, I graduated early. So it's in the spring. I go to my first workout and I got, you know, Justin Finty, Thomas White, Jay Finley, Jacoby Jones, who else can I name? Ernest Smith. You know, you got Joe Paul on the other side, uh, Jordan Lake. I mean, all these guys. And I'm like, uh, they, we show up to the first workout and I'm getting blasted. Like I'm getting blasted every, every running drill you can imagine. I'm like, man, what is going on? Like, I thought I was fast. I thought I was an athletic guy. And uh, it just showed me how much potential Baylor had because coming in, obviously the previous year wasn't a great year. And it, it just, to me, it, it showed me how important it is uh, to have a culture and to have a winning mindset because Baylor has always had the talent. And, and we, we saw that and we went four and eight that year. And then the next year we came out, started three and one before I tore my ACL. And that year was like devastating for me because I felt really bad for the seniors, right? You know, Joe Paul, uh, Jordan Lake, and, and those guys, uh, J.D. Walton, my center, because they didn't get an opportunity to go to a bowl game. And I kind of put a lot of that weight and pressure on myself because I was the starting quarterback and I went down and we went from three and one and finished the year again at four and eight. So to revisit all those, those memories, it's not just the, the Heisman, it's the journey to get to the Heisman, right? Because of that injury, I fell in love with football. I got to watch my guys go to practice and I had to sit in the training room and do rehab. And I'm like, man, this is the worst. This is, I don't ever want to be here again. This is the worst possible feeling. And at that time, Joe, you know, I was, I mean, John, you know, I was, uh, I was still determining whether or not I was going to run track. Sure. So because I fell in love with football, because of what I was missing out on, I stopped running track and I made the commitment to, I'm going to play football. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for my school, for my, for my teammates. And I put on like, an ungodly amount of weight. <laughs> it was it was good weight, right? Yeah. I, I think I went from 203 pounds. I came back that next year. I was 229 pounds. Wow. And I put on a lot of upper body strength, and I said, I'm going to make myself look like a football player. 
I'm going to fully commit to this and give myself a chance and give our team a chance. And, you know, that year we ended the bowl drought with all these things. We had a great, we were, I think we were seven and two at one point. And then we kind of fell off the, you know, fell off the wagon because we weren't ready for that success. And then the following year we came back and had a phenomenal year and, and the, you know, the Heisman and everything else is history, but it's the journey to get there that, that is so special for me that I was able to kind of go back through and see the names that were on that list. And I'm like, man, I remember that guy. I remember, you know, how hard he worked, how, how much adversity he had to go through to get to where he was. And it was just really cool. Now it also made me feel old because, <laughs> you know, I was, I'm a 2000, I guess my, I had two years in the decade, what, 2010, 2011, right, or just, right. just one year. But um, like, man, time is flying. You know, it's 2020 now. It's been, yeah. you know, eight years, nine years since I've been in college. But uh, those memories will, will last a lifetime. I'm curious. You were, I mean, you were world-class uh, track guy, you know, and, and the Olympic trials, you could have been there. You know, you were there with that. Was there ever, I mean, that had to have been a tough decision, you know, when you finally went all football and got away from yeah. track. It was a tough decision. I, I, my original goal when I graduated early from high school uh, and I was in college as a really a, a high school senior in the spring, the goal was to come in and not do spring ball. I wasn't going to do spring ball that year. I was going to go and run track the whole spring to give myself the best opportunity to make the Olympic team. Um, at the time, I was the number one hurdler in the nation uh, for high schoolers. I think I was, you know, probably like top 15 or something, maybe top 10 uh, amongst all hurdlers in the, in the entire world, especially in the U.S., and uh, coach brought, he, you know, he kind of told me, yeah, if you come, you can just go run track. And then, you know, he kind of reneged on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on over here. That's great. I mean, yeah. you got to, I mean, I got to, I got to keep it honest with you. He kind of reneged on that. And he, <laughs> he kind of told me he, he needed me to, to do spring ball because he, you know, I wanted to start and I wanted to play. But at that time, really football was just, I played because I was good. And I knew I could get a scholarship and I didn't just want to run track. So when I got, when I got to, to Baylor, I did, did spring ball, and I was, I was the starter coming out of spring ball. A lot of people don't remember that. I didn't actually start as a true right. freshman in the first game, but I was a starter coming out of spring ball, so I won the competition at least at that point. <laughs> and then I went to track. I trained for two weeks, and then I went and I ran a track meet. Uh, I think it was a Michael Johnson invite. And I did well. I got second, but I was really upset that I got second. And uh, only after two weeks of training, and I went to the next meet, and I totally bombed. I completely bombed that, that next track meet. Uh, so I took the next week off, and I did some training that I was used to from high school. And I went out, and I won the Big 12, and won regionals, and got third in nationals. Uh, and then went to the trials, and to uh, Coach Browse's credit, he came to the trials. Hmm. He came to Olympic trials. I ran the trials. I made it to semifinals, and I got, uh, I got fifth in my heat in the semifinals, one spot away from making the finals. Wow. It was tough for me, too, because I got to the finish line, and the guy who got fourth saw me closing on him at, near the finish line and gave that, like, one step of extra energy just to pass the line before me. Wow. So that, was, that was really the last time I actually ran uh, the 400 hurdles, which was my event, uh, competitively. And I've always thought, like, man, what could have been if I, if I had stayed there and some people think I made the decision for financial reasons. But at that time, for me, it wasn't about that. Right. I, I, would, I didn't come from money. So the money that I would have been able to make as a track athlete would still have been life changing money. 
uh, as compared to, to football. I really just made the decision because of that injury. It got hurt, and I felt like a lot of people, a lot of people down, and I wanted to not have anybody feel that way, especially my, the Baylor community. So um, I think I made the right decision, you know. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll still be able to run track when I'm done. You know? <laughs> Here for you, your family, and our community, Alan Samuels is open for business. Shop safely in our showroom. Our service and parts departments are open. There's free pickup and delivery for all service work, all safely sanitized when returned. We'll even deliver test drive vehicles to your home or office. Shop and buy totally online at alansamuelsdcj.com. We're ready to help. Always your friend in the car business. Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Bentwood Realty is a full-service real estate firm with more than 70 high-achieving agents who desire to make a positive impact in their local communities. Their agents stay actively involved in all buying, selling, and investing real estate transactions to make sure their clients receive the utmost level of service. Established in 2011 by brokers Kim Galvan and Rick Hines, both proud Baylor alumni, call Bentwood Realty today, 254-300-4800. They're at 601 Lake Air Drive in Waco and Bentwood realty.com now back to the sikkim podcast presented by your friend in the car business alan samuels dodge chrysler jeep ram fiat you you talked about you know that injury kind of pausing football for you and letting you kind of find the joy in it again and fall in love with the sport um do you kind of feel that way now i mean you you just said you were out back playing football on the street like I'm sure you were as a kid and here you are you know in the NFL and um, you kind of have this time to pause and go back out there to to your roots and play street ball a little bit and with with your wife <laughs> yeah no doubt I think it's it's this year and I'll talk about this year but really 2017 when I was out when I was out of the league and um, I think you guys you know we all have our own life experiences but whenever something's taken away from you you know, one of two things happens, right? You either, you know, you love it so much that you can't let it go and, and it drives you more or you move on, right? You realize, oh man, maybe I didn't want it as much as I thought I wanted it. And when I was out in 2017 and I'm out of the track and I'm running because I went back to do some track training just to get back to my roots. And, and I went out to the track and I'm running these, hur- I'm running these hurdles. I'm running a, a 300 hurdle buildup which if no one knows what that is, you, you run one and then you run two and then you come back and you run three and you go all the way up to eight because you mm-hmm. only can get eight and 300, and 300 meters. I'm on number seven and I'm dying, guys. I mean, I am just, legs are gone. I, my, everything feels like jello. My wife looks at me, she says, why are you doing this? So, well, I said I was gonna do, a, I was gonna do all eight. So I'm gonna do all eight. Right. You know, military background. Do what you say you're going to do. Finish all this. Right. I'm giving her that whole dissertation. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but you can't breathe. And your legs uh, look like they're on backwards. Like you're just you're running in place right now. So, yeah, but I said, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I finished running and I'm laid out on the floor. Like she tries to massage my leg a little bit. And I'm like, don't touch me. Like I'm I'm that tired. I'm that <laughs> just tired. Leave like, me. I'm like, just this, leave me. This, the end of the world. It's over. <laughs> and uh you know, after that day, I went out the next day and I, I was throwing footballs at, at a palm tree and I posted a video. People were like making fun of the video, like, oh, you know, look at him. You know, he's throwing at palm trees. And, uh, you know, I kind of just told my wife that being out of the league made me want it even more. 
and I had turned down some opportunities in 2017 because I didn't feel like they were the right opportunities and I wasn't going to get paid enough. And I ended up taking an opportunity in 2018 that paid me uh, right around the same that I had turned down the year before. And the reasoning was uh, I wasn't going to be the reason. I wasn't going to be the reason that I wasn't successful. And I kind of tell people that now you have to take the opportunity, even when sometimes it doesn't feel like it's the right, you know, the right thing, or you feel like you're undervalued or, or whatever it may be. And you have to make the most of it. So I took that opportunity as the fourth quarterback in Baltimore and I made the team. And then because, uh, because of what I did that year, they signed me back to a two year deal. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still not getting paid what I want, but at the, at the same time, I am being valued and I am showing them what my worth is. And, you know, prayerfully in the future, the near future, I'll be rewarded for that. But being out of football made me want the game even more. I already loved the game, right? I told you I loved it after I got hurt at Baylor. But it made me want it even more and showed me that this is what God had called me to do. There's no way you take a year off of football and come back and play as well as I did in the 2018 preseason and then go out there this year and play as well as I did when I had the opportunities to play. Or go beat the Pittsburgh Steelers when they're playing for everything. Uh, in the last game of the season. And that wasn't all me. You know, my teammates had a big part of that. And God had a big part of that. But being out and the way this year has gone, uh, it just kind of refreshes everything. You know, and I just think back to high school sports. You play football and you go right into another sport. So what is it? Is it basketball? I think it's basketball. So you play football, you go right into basketball if you play basketball. From basketball, you go right into track if you, if you run track. Or soccer if you do soccer. Or baseball if you, if you play baseball. And it kind of keeps you fresh, right? You're not focused only on that one sport. So right now I've had the opportunity to work on my speed, work on my strength, work on throwing the football and not be bogged down by constantly looking at or practicing against the defense or constantly being in those meetings for meetings all day. Um, So I think it kind of refreshes you so that when we go back, you know, prayerfully we're able to go back at the end of July, it's new, right? And now there's, there's a downfall to that if you're a young guy and you don't know how to play NFL football. But for a 30-year-old quarterback like myself who wants to play for 10, 15 more years, and I've already done it for seven or eight, I get to go back out there and I, and I get to see it and I get to go out there and play and do all these things. But at the same time, it's, it's rejuvenating. It's not the same old routine over and over and over. And I see, and, and knowing you a little bit, like I do, uh, this doesn't surprise me at all, but you are preparing in Baltimore like you're the starter, preparing as a starter. Uh, explain to people watching, listening to this, that mentality that you have there. Yeah, so obviously in the NFL, it's, it's, uh, for quarterbacks, it's, it's not like, you know, the NBA, right? If you're the starting point guard, you're going to get minutes, right? What's there, is it 40 minutes in a game, something like that? You're going to get, you know, 37, 36 of those minutes, depending on if you're LeBron, maybe you pay, play all 40. Who knows? But in the NFL, as, as a quarterback, only one guy plays. So if the one guy goes down, whoever the backup is at that time, or as I like to call him, the second starter, whoever the second starter is, is the guy who's got to go in and play. Well, the, the second starter is going into play with no reps all week. He's probably doing scout team all week for the defense to get them prepared for the offense they're going against. So if you don't prepare as if you're the starter, you'll step into the game and it'll literally be the first time you've ever gone through any of these reads consistently. So, you know, from my preparation, I go, I stay after practice every day and I go through all the plays from practice. 
and I go through all the plays that, you know, maybe I'm not as comfortable with this play. So let me try out the footwork, try out the throw to, to get comfortable with that play. Because if you don't prepare like that, you won't be ready when your number's called. Got a perfect story for that. In 2018 preseason, uh, it's the third preseason game we're playing against the Miami Dolphins. So I think it was our fourth preseason game, technically. But uh, we're playing against the Miami Dolphins. And coach comes to me at the beginning of the week. He says, RG, uh, you started in the, the, the Bears game. You played well in the, in the last two games. So we're not going to play you this game at all. I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, I'm the fourth quarterback. I'm like, yeah, I was blessed to get the start in the first game anyway. And uh, so the whole week I'm thinking to myself, man, I should make sure I stay ready just in case. Uh, so I go after practice every week, every day. I'm not getting any reps in practice. I mean, I'm talking about a 20, 20 play uh, section, no reps. Wow. And I'm like, wow, you know, am, am I the Heisman winner? Am I, the, am I the rookie of the year? You know, am I the guy that, that led this team to the playoffs? So I'm thinking that I'm like, all right, well, you know, if I, if I am that guy, I got to continue to stay ready. So I stay ready after practice. I go, I'd run all the plays. I'm doing all this stuff. Everyone's like, man, what are you doing? You're not even playing this week. I'm like, yeah, you know, just, you know, just routine, you know, telling them routine. But for myself, I'm like, I got to be ready to go. I don't know what's going to happen. A guy could stub his toe, get sick. You never know. Day of the game. Coach calls me and says, uh, RG, uh, he calls me RG3. So, RG3, you're, uh, you're starting. Nah. No reps all week. Not one. Didn't sniff a rep. I'm starting the game. Oh, also, we're not going to play your two starting wideouts. We're not going to play Marshall Yonda. We're not going to play both starting tackles. So, it'll be you versus the Miami Dolphins defense with Cameron Wake and all these other guys. Uh, screaming off the edge, and it'll be you with the, the, the second group. I said, all right, I got you. You know, can't flinch. Well, we went out there, and I think we put up 20 points on them in the first half, and we ran the ball up and down the field on them. And I played well enough that in the last preseason game, when usually if you're the fourth quarterback, you play a lot in that game. I didn't play at all, and I made the team. And they told me I earned it, and the reason that I earned it was because of how I played and how I was prepared and ready to go. In that Dolphins game. So I don't look at myself as a backup. I don't prepare as if I'm a backup. But I do know that at the drop of a dime, I could be in the game and I have to be ready. So how do I do that? That's how you do it. When you're the starter, it's easy. You get all the reps. You're, they're talking to you. They're including you and in all the stuff. And, and you're ready to roll. But when you're not the starter and you're the second starter, it's more on you to get ready to roll. And like I said, I'm not going to be the reason that I fail. So I make sure I put the work in. You hosted a uh, youth football camp at Baylor last year. And when we spoke at that, you kind of said the same thing, but um, hoping that you instill through all your different experiences, whether it was how you came back from an injury or preparing as the second starter, um, kind of hoping that you would instill that message, not just to the campers, but also the Baylor team who was helping with that camp. Um, I want to hear from you, your thoughts on how that camp went, if you were able to do that and, you know, just your thoughts on overall your experience coming back to Baylor and hosting that. Yeah. I mean, my experience, my own experience at Baylor was awesome. Right. So coming back and getting re reinvigorated and re ingrained in, in the, uh, in that community with coach rule at the time, 
uh, I felt was incredible. I thought they did a great job with the camp, uh, not only pubbing the camp, but getting the kids to come out and helping at the camp. I thought that was phenomenal. I didn't have to run every single station, but I was able to run what I felt like were some of the most important stations. Um, so the, the, the misconception is that when you're competing with someone, you have to try to undercut them somehow, right? You have to try to, you have to try to, to beat them without them knowing you're beating them. So when I'm talking to all these kids and I'm talking about mechanics, it's like, look, this guy right here who's six foot six might throw the ball a little bit different than this guy right here who's five foot seven. Okay. He might have some different mechanics. He might have a longer arm. He might, uh, you know, might have longer legs or shorter legs, whatever it may be. But how you get to certain positions to throw the ball should be eerily similar. And that's kind of what I was trying to get across to them. And for me personally with competition, I'm not going to try to cheat you to beat you. All right. I want you to be at your best so that when I look you in the face and I beat you, you know that you gave it your best shot. I gave it my best shot. That's kind of how I, how I operate. So with these kids, it's not like I'm trying to take away some of their growth by not telling them something, you know, they're the next generation. If uh, I remember vividly, I forget what the kid's name, but he's the court, he's a starting quarterback at uh, Westlake. Um, and he came to the camp. He's, I think he's highly recruited. He's got a bunch of offers. And this kid, eventually, if, if I want to play for 15 more years until I'm 45, he's eventually going to be my competition, right? I don't have to ever throw a route against him, but if he's in the league, I'm competing against him. I don't feel threatened by that. I want to give back to the next generation. I want them to learn the things that I didn't know. I wasn't a camp kid, right? I didn't do, I didn't do all the camps. I didn't go to the elite eights and, I was running track in the summer. I could care less about, you know, Trent Dilfer or these elite eight camps or what you're ranked here or there. And I still was able to, to make it and, and be the second pick. So it's not that you have to be a camp kid, but why not come and get that information? Why not come and, and steal that information from a guy who's seen it, done it and, and seen a lot of it and done a lot of it. So I thought it was awesome. The camp went phenomenal. We wanted to do it again this year, obviously, uh, the coronavirus knocked that out, but we're looking forward with uh, Coach Aranda to get it going next year, uh, prayerfully, and uh, and have some more fun with it and, and really open up the camp a little bit more. Yeah, I hope that happens uh, in the years to come. You you met Coach Aranda, didn't you, when you were here for that gala and then the uh, basketball game? Any particular thoughts you came away with of him from that? Yeah, so I, I met him, and you know, like, I'm like, where is he at? Like, you know, you you would – with Coach Aranda, it's like uh, very, very soft-spoken uh, man, but it comes off with a certain intensity, if, the, if that makes sense. It's, sure. it's different than what I experienced with Coach Browse. It's different than what I experienced with Coach Rule uh, and how they, they go about their business. But he, he has, his track record speaks for itself, and I think he's put together a phenomenal staff. I really enjoy uh, following them all on social media. I think it's pretty funny. Um, you know, kind of the things that they do and just the way they engage. So uh, it, it, was, it was awesome to meet him. I got to sit down and talk to him after that meeting at the game and talk to him about the camp. And I thought he had some really great ideas to continue to ex- extend the camp and, and extend its reach. Uh, and I think he's going to do a great job at Baylor University. He'll have the support. Um, of us, the alumni, have the support of his, of his team 
And um, I really look forward to seeing what they do. I, you know, I'm praying that we have uh, college football and all that stuff as long as it's safe uh, to be played. And I know those kids are working hard for it. Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wrap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Well, I know we're praying for college football, working at Baylor. We're praying for NFL football to, for, for you and all of our other guys who were just drafted. But um, you've been with the Ravens for the past couple of seasons. Um, just what's your time been with them like? And what's something that maybe you've taken away from working with that organization? Oof, I, I'll answer the, the last part first. It's, uh, this organization is, is top-notch, first-class. Uh, I talked with with uh, my guy LJ when he first got there, and I told him I said there was no better place for him to be drafted. Um, they just know how to do it, you know. They they know how to support, right? I always felt like at Baylor I had the support of everybody, right? I had the support of you guys, I had the support of the coaches. Um, you know, the fans, you know, the fans are the fans, right? I, I still remember one time I went to, I went to a class at, at Baylor and the teacher, the teacher was making fun of the football team. Yeah. You know, that was my, my freshman year. Well, you know, by my senior year, they weren't doing that anymore. But, uh, you know, fans, fans will always be, they're, they're fanatics, right? So they're, they're always high or they're, they're low. Um, but as an organization, you should feel like the whole organization is behind you and, and propping you up to give you the best chance of success. And I really feel like the Ravens are that. That's exactly what they do. When I came in, they told me, be yourself. You know, we're going to accept you for, for who you are, and we want you to, to you know, help this team be great. And uh, just to see how they go about it every single day, uh, every level of the organization all has one, one goal in mind that's winning, and that's – making the players look good, right? We can go out and play. We can do all these things, but they bring us opportunities. They, they're the ones who frame the stories the way that they need to be framed. And I think that that, I think it's overlooked a lot uh, in the NFL and, and there's, there's great franchises and there's franchises that are always marred in controversy. And I think it just, it's about how they go about doing it from the top down. Um, and the Ravens do it phenomenally. So my time with the Ravens has been awesome. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm in the last year of my deal here in Baltimore and it could go a bunch of different ways, right? I could hit free agency next year. Um, I could, and then become a starter. I could get traded and become a starter, or I could sign an extension here in Baltimore. Um, 
with my eyes still on being a starter, uh, but, but, you know, understanding that the Ravens is a great situation for me, but it's gotta be mutual. Right. And uh, you know, right now we've been talking about it, talking about an extension, talking about what that would look like and, and have a commitment from both sides that, you know, that's what we want to work towards and that's what we want to do. Um, obviously all this Corona stuff has put a lot of stuff on hold and, um, there's some guys that need to, to get signed to extensions to make that happen for me. So that's where I'm at right now. And, you know, I love Baltimore. Uh, I love the city. I love my teammates. Uh, it's a great organization. And I wouldn't mind being being here uh, for a long time. But obviously, I want to be a starter. It's not just, a, oh, you know, I want to be a trillionaire. Everybody wants to be a trillionaire, okay? All right? So, I mean, I want to be a starter. And I'm more than sure every quarterback in the league wants to be a starter. But that, I don't wake up every day and do what I do to be the second starter. I do it because that is my goal. I'm not 38, 39 years old uh, as, a, as a second starter. I'm 30 years old. Tom Brady is, what, 63 now? I don't know. How <laughs> old, but at the same time, that's, that's what I want to do. And I'm not – if they're going to have to tell me, hey, we, we, don't wanna, we don't want you to play anymore in order for me to stop playing. So um, – that's my goal, and I think they see me that way, and hopefully they, they show me that when, uh, whenever we have, continue to have those conversations about an extension. I'll tell you what, seeing you in a number three jersey, it, it struck me. Why have you not worn number three? <laughs> I know, life? I know, right? Why is it, not, why is it just now happening? <laughs> it fits happening? the name. Yeah, it fits perfectly. Yeah, it's, uh, it was – I just I, – honestly, you know, I, I lean on my, my rock and talk to my wife about it. Um, when I signed to Baltimore, I had an opportunity to take 10 again. And we just said, look, just got to start over, right? I got you. Just, yeah, yeah. just new beginning. I cut my hair that year. Uh, I'm growing it back out now. But I cut my <laughs> hair that year. And uh, it's like, man, why not? RG3, number three, seems to, right. go, seems to go perfect together. And uh, we just moved, we went with it. So it, it's been awesome. Um, had conversations about going back to 10. But uh, right now, I think three is fitting. You know, um, RG3, it's my third team and uh, an opportunity for redemption. So um, just got to keep going and keep going. And it's also your foundation. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So with, with you know, for, for, I would say the last five years, uh, really just wanted to figure out a way to, to give back and, and make the world a better place. Right. Uh, I, I was just on a zoom Zoom call with a uh, a business leader who has one of the fastest growing businesses in their in their sector, and he said there's there's great businesses that that you know with great people that want to do well but don't have a good business you know plan to get to where they want to go, and I feel like that's kind of where my my foundation has been for like the last four or five years, just we want to do, we want to do well. We want to impact the world in a positive way. And we just haven't had a, a proper way to get there. Um, so what we did with, with everything that's going on with the civil unrest is we started selling these bands uh, to give back to really the community, you know, cause some people, when they hear black lives matter, they, they it becomes a real de- divisive issue for them, but it's really just to instill, and infuse and invest money back into our own communities for the people who are at need. 
So we started selling these bands and the, the bands were are selling like crazy and, it, and it's been a, a phenomenal thing. So really what we're focusing on is um, getting into the communities and getting the things changed that need to be changed, right? There's, there's certain things that, that happen in our country that shouldn't be happening, right? Everyone, the, the big names right now are George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and uh, Breonna Taylor, right? So you hear, you hear all these names and, and immediately the images start flooding into your brain. Uh, so for us, we just want to go about and, and instill positive change. It, it's not about, for us, it's not about burning everything to the ground, right? It's fix the things that need to be fixed, right? The, the, the uh, police brutality or certain guidelines or certain practices that need to be eradicated, let's go get them eradicated. And it takes money to do that, right? It takes money, it takes time, it takes leverage uh, to be able to go and do that. So I've already started working with the uh, district attorney down in, in Coriel County, uh, where I'm from in Copper's Cove, and I'm on a board there that's gonna help oversee uh, a lot of the uh, minority cases that they have. Um, and, and it's really about not just talking about it, right? Uh, I think I just saw that the Minnesota bailout fund raised $35 million to bail out protesters in Minnesota, and they used 200,000 of it to bail out protesters. So where's that other money at? Right. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people don't trust foundations and they don't trust to give money because they don't know where that money's going. And for us, we don't, we're not trying to, to raise money to, to pay off our payroll. We're not trying to raise money to fill up our pockets. Uh, and I don't want to mischaracterize any other foundations out there um, because I know there are administrative costs for a lot of foundations, but the way we're set up, we can put a hundred percent of our money back into the community. So that's kind of the way we're going about it. And we, we need help, right? We need help. And, um, you know, maybe that comes from Baylor alumni. Maybe that comes from Baylor University. Maybe it comes from the city, right? Uh, you know, I've got 2 million followers on Twitter. If every single one of my followers on Twitter gave a dollar, it's $2 million. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't take much. It just takes a lot of people. And I think that's uh, the perfect way to put it for what our world needs right now. We need people. We need everybody. Uh, you have to check yourself. You have to check your community. You have to check your surroundings to make sure you're not allowing things that aren't right to just happen. And for the longest, I know for myself as a pro athlete, it's always been protect the brand. Don't say anything controversial. Don't talk about politics. You know, don't talk about anything that, that's decisive or, or divisive, should I say. Well, this isn't that. This isn't a political issue. This is a human rights issue. This is about treating people right, you know, and that's what I was taught when I went to Baylor. That's what I was taught growing up. Treat people how you want to be treated. I don't think anybody wants to be put in a chokehold or have someone kneel on their neck for eight minutes, you know, while they're handcuffed and they're not doing anything uh, and die. It's not about not breaking the law. It's about, hey, if, if something happens, right, and you end up, you find yourself in police custody for whatever reason, you shouldn't die just because of the color of your skin. You shouldn't be treated as more of a threat just because of the color of your skin. So through our foundation, we are raising money. We have an initiative uh, called the This Is For Us Initiative. And we have a GoFundMe that's up right now uh, to raise a million dollars to try to go into the local governments, uh, local and state governments and work with those city officials to find the right ways to build up our communities and find the right ways to eliminate some of the practices that have been in place for so long that people just kind of forget about, right? 
it's one thing to say go vote. It's another thing to go say be an educated voter, right? Don't just vote party line because I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, you know? It's what are their practices? What do they believe in? Because politics is a very interesting game, I would say. And a lot of times once you get in, you're there forever. And people have to understand that. You have to elect people who are actually going to do positive things for your community. You're in control of that. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate people and we're trying to go in and be and be that uh, voice of reason for them, right? You guys have a job, I have a job. Um, most people have a job. You can't just spend all day protesting. You can't just spend all day talking and trying to go and implement change. So let us do that for you. Let our foundation do that for you, whether it's a dollar, $2, uh, you know, shoot, if Jeff Bezos wants to give a billion dollars, I'm all good with it. <laughs> and allow us, allow us to go and be that champion for you. And that's kind of how we, we set it up. And I think we're going to uh, hit the ground running as soon as, all, as soon as we get the funds to get it done. Uh, I think we have a, a better vision uh, and a better map of how to get it done. If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the big text tandem duels. We also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of big text trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com. Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. To say my wife and I have a lot to clean is an understatement. So we go to TNG Chemical, where the pros know what cleaning solutions to use and give us detailed instructions on exactly how to use them. We never got that kind of advice from any other stores. And the prices at TNG are great, from general household cleaners to odor control solutions for our pets. We go to TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Bednars and John Morris. Well, we know and we can tell that you're very passionate about this. Uh, you're very thoughtful in your uh, in your beliefs, you know, and what you are uh, making your point about. Uh, and you're doing what you can, you know, from your position. Some people ha- have said, I can remember this way back, that uh, maybe there's a career in politics for you. Uh, is that is that in the back of your mind maybe when your playing days are over? Uh, I feel like um, I, I would never say never. What I, what I would say is that sometimes people pick politics and they pick politics for all the wrong reasons. And sometimes politics picks you. So if, if that ends up being the case for me, uh, I would rather be picked by the people to go represent the people than to say, you know, I'm going to go do this and make a career out of it. I don't want to be a career politician. You know, I've worked, I've worked hard my entire life to get to where I'm at. And, uh, you know, some part of me wants to be able to sit down and relax, right? 
when it's all said and done. Sure. But if it, if it picks me and, and, and I'm the voice and I can be a voice for the people to go out and, and help, then uh, I'm more than more than willing to do that. You know, I've always said I want to go back, uh, you know, even if it is just to Baylor and, you know, possibly be the, the president of Baylor one day. Um, you know, I, I've always tried to shy away from that because I don't want anyone to feel threatened. You know, I want to, I want to work with everybody, not against anybody. I'm not trying to take anybody's job. I'm not trying to um, do anything to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But um, I feel like uh, God calls you to do certain things, and if it's politics, then it's politics. And hopefully, I can be what the people need and not what uh, they don't. Well, we have kind of a staple here as we wrap things up and thank you for spending time with us here today, but, um, we're going to kind of make it twofold for you, um, since you're still playing. So once everything kind of clears up and you can get actually back on a football field and in a weight room and start moving forward, um, hopefully for a season, um, what are you looking forward to most when the NFL and Baylor athletics finally return, man, <laughs> when they finally return, what am I looking forward to most? Um, honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing just how sports can impact the country, right? A lot of people have been calling for sport to come back because they want a distraction. Uh, and I think that, with everything that's going on, and I just saw what happened at Oklahoma State with uh, with with Gundy and in the in his running back, people are starting to realize that they have a platform. And the the days I feel like the days of you know, shut up and dribble or shut up and throw or don't bring politics into my sports. I think those days are over um, because I don't think it's politics, right? It's it's just standing up for what's right. Um, no brand should be based off of racism, right? Quick stat for you. The NFL is made up of 70% African-Americans, right? People of color. The American population is only made up of about 12% African-American. So football is the most popular sport in America. Some would say the world, Right. So who's supporting that? It's the majority. It's the people who look like you guys that are supporting sports in general, NBA, MLB, uh, football, soccer, MLS, whatever it may be. You guys are the ones who are supporting it. So why is it that if someone protests brutality or some injustice, why is that frowned upon? And I think people are starting to realize that, man, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be frowned upon. That's that is not politics. And I think that sports has an opportunity to be that voice, be that unifying factor. And you've seen it here and there, right, with the I can't breathe shirts in the NBA and uh, certain protests in the NFL. But we don't want the protests to be divisive. We want them to be uniting. We want everyone to see and say, man, I agree with that. I'm, I, you know. I love the I love the flag and I love the anthem, but this isn't about the flag or the anthem. This is about us. This is about how we can make this world. And when I say world, obviously our world is the United States. But you know, when I we we can make this country what it has always strived to be. Uh, you know, 
land of the free, liberty and justice for all. It's never been that. It's never been that. It's never been equality for all. Um, and I think I tweeted this the other day. It's equal rights for everybody doesn't mean less rights for the majority, right? It's not pie. Everybody can get it, okay? You know, so I think that sports can be that. I'm, I'm very excited to see how it goes about doing that. I don't want things to just go back to, you know, injustice happens, protests happens, everything goes back to normal, nothing gets changed. We need radical change, and I think sports can be a big part of that. Um, aside from playing, right, you know, everybody wants to play the game that they love, and we get blessed to play a game for a King's Ransom. But I'm really excited to see how the different sports leagues go about implementing that change and being drivers for change. It's very well said. We appreciate it. It's great to have you on with us. Uh, tell your mom and dad hello. I, I don't see them as much as I'd like to, but tell them hello. And uh, appreciate you giving us your time and sharing your thoughts. Uh, we love you and appreciate you, and it's great to have a little time to uh, to have this visit. Yeah, man, I love you guys too, and um, I really appreciate you guys having me on and taking the time to, to just listen, you know. And uh, I look forward to being around Baylor a lot more. And I'm working with the university to become an ambassador for the university to be there more often and be out in the forefront and help drive some of our initiatives forward. So uh, pray for me there that they uh, they see it the way I see it and we can go uh, go about it and, and continue to build up this this beautiful brand uh, that Baylor University is. Great. Be safe. Thanks very much. All right, guys. God bless. That's a great visit with Robert Griffin III, the 2011 Heisman Trophy winner from Baylor University. There's a statue outside McLean Stadium of Rob. And in large part, uh, we have McLean Stadium because Rob and the fans that really got behind him and uh, his success. And uh, he just, uh, Brooke, he, he's got that uh, million-dollar, more than a million-dollar smile. <laughs> yes. And everybody is on board with him and what he did when he was here and what he's doing now, uh, RG3 Sports. Com is the uh, site to go to, and you heard him talk very uh, eloquently about his foundation and what he wants to get done with that foundation. Absolutely. He uh, was showing us, I know we, we kind of pulled back the curtain, but he was showing us the bands and the hats and the things that they're selling on uh, online for that cause as well. So you might want to go check that out. Yep, check it out. Appreciate Robert Griffin III on this week's Sikkim Podcast. For Brooke Bednarz, I'm John Morris. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week with another Sikkim Podcast. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.